Today on The Breakdown, we're heads up in a World Poker Tour main event. And it's not just any two guys. It's one of Grant's favorite, Artie Paps, our Papazian, up against, I guess we have to call him the legend. He will live on after he dies. Phil Hellmuth, the most bracelets of all time, is staring him down. They're almost have the same amount of chips. They're heads up for the title. Also, another 300,000 and change to be won. There's a lot going on. And let me just say this. Art flops extremely well. Phil takes an unusual line with an okay hand and is going to be really put, well, he's going to have some tough decisions. Let me just say that. Will Phil Helmuth be able to navigate this? And should he? We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Not that I have any sort of negative feelings toward Art Papazian, but I don't know what led you to say that Art Papazian is one of my favorites versus like anything to do with you. I feel like we have similar views on Art Papazian and they're both like, hey, he's pretty good. He seems like a good guy too. Seems you, fine. You're the guy who called him Artie Paps. You're the one. So I figured you have an extra special place in your heart because of the Artie Paps song. Do you I mean, not? I, just, I, like, I like the nickname. I think, like, not to say that Artie, Artie Paps is a bad person, but you could you Whoa. could give a, a a quality nickname to a bad person. Wow, what, uh, wow! Like a guy a guy could go on a killing spree and and murder twenty eight people. You'd be like, hey, look, it's Donnie Pickles. It's like, yeah, that is a good nickname, even that though that guy's a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually an amazing nickname yeah. for like a mafia guy, right? Donnie Pickles. Yeah. Donnie Pickles. There must have been a guy named Donnie Pickles, now that we're saying this. Like, that's... (laughs) And he was... Yeah, he used a garrot and just... It was really bad. Garrot? Is that how you pronounce that word? Garrot? Garrett? Like Garrett Edelstein? You know what I mean? Like the the wire thing. Yeah, just call it piano wire. It's easier. Okay. I think I will do that. I think I will. Anyway, uh... Yeah. You better you better get your shit together. You're getting a visit from Donnie Pickles. Donnie, Donnie, I can pay. I can pay. I just got it. I need another day to get the money together. Oh, we don't have any more time. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Donnie, no. <laughs> yeah. I love it when I watch their eyes, the light go out in their eyes. <laughs> You're doing JFK now. Yeah. <laughs> that was JFK. I hereby declare today will be snow day. Yeah, there JFK. is a lot of uh, JFK fanfic out there, so maybe you should write a graphic novel of JFK as a serial killer. I think, unless it's been done, which maybe it Ooh. has been. That is actually kind of awesome sounding. I'm super into it, JFK serial killer. Oh, you know, he's Jack Kennedy, right? Maybe he's also Jack the Ripper. Yeah, timeline's a bit off. Timeline's a little bit off. Um, maybe he's immortal. <laughs> <laughs> this I, think all that was fits together. I think that was disproven unless you believe the wildest versions of the conspiracy theories. No, 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 no. You could be immortal and still die, right? Immortal just means you're not going to die of natural causes and you don't like potentially age. I can go with whatever well, rules I that want. Depends, you know? That depends on your rules for immortality. Yeah. Some, some versions of immortality mean like literally nothing can kill you. Yeah, well, that's dumb. That's, that's, I think that's a dumb rule and I hate it. I hate it so much, but, okay. <laughs> but I think the cool rule, I think it's much more interesting. Like, okay, I can live for thousands of years, but I have to take care of myself. So, you know, what do I do and what don't I do? You know, it, it's a very well, much what, a to YOLO what extent situation. Do you have to take care of yourself. Can you die of congestive heart failure due to obesity or like, you mean like not getting hit by a train? I meant not getting hit by a train because I don't think an action movie where the guy might get fat and die of clogged arteries is particularly interesting. But I'm maybe just talking it is. about the universe we're we're creating right. here no, as far enough. as the metri- what metrics are needed to to explain the characters. Like can can I be immortal in air quotes yeah. and avoid like I would never fly in a plane again, of course, if I if I were immortal. <laughs> and I would never like get in a car. But like uh, <laughs> but would would I also have to avoid eating salty foods? Because that could eventually mm. lead to, to some sort of heart problem or something. I think I would want it to be that uh, you basically keep like your 30-year-old body, right, the whole time. So you don't get like old. Because otherwise you're a 1,000 years old and you look a 1,000 years old. And that's a yeah, problem, yeah, you don't, right? You don't want that. Uh, so you keep it. But, but your dietary choices do matter. So like, yeah, you can get fat. You can have, you can have a heart attack. You can get a stroke. You can get hit by a freaking, you know, 
by a car. You can get stung by the tsetse fly and, you know, die. Like, yeah, basically it's a story of someone who's a shut-in, right? They just have to stay indoors, yeah. like, and, like, hope, hope everything works out because they're terrified of losing the future. But don't you see the irony? They're not living, for, they're not living but Dude, they're terrified is, of losing their life. This it's could brilliant. be, like, a beautiful, sad thing that we write and make, make millions cry with. Yeah. About, like, you know, something you think you want, but really do you? Do you? I, I mean, look if you at just... Donnie Pickles shutting his house. <laughs> Can't even go outside for fear of catching air pollution. Exactly. Yeah. Although your body bounces back as good as a normal body too. So like you may, you know, like if you eat a little salt, it isn't like it stays in your system forever. You know, like it right, is but you just can't go. You can't go on like a like a barbecue bender for months on end and and just like snap back to being in good shape. Right. You have to like do the work to get back yeah. in good shape. But like you can. You're like, and the thing is, if you're going to live for thousands of years or more, you could be like, all right, well, the next hundred years, I'm going to really like, you know, get it together here. You know, like I do that for like six weeks or something a month, you know, yeah. but like it could be like, you know, I'm going to like eat really well and work out all month. And then I'm going to like have, have things back in a good place. And this is instead of yeah, next hundred years, I'm going to eat really well. You probably don't need to right, do what if, just the next year. What if you have like a terrible injury, like uh, your, your ankle breaks in a really bad way where mm. it's like in a normal lifespan, it would never fully heal and it would always hurt when it was cold and stuff. And like, maybe it lasts 200 years, but it eventually will heal. So you, are you stuck with 200 years of that pain or does that heal faster? I think it should heal a little faster, but not all the way faster. Not like instantly okay. better, but like, I think 200 years of pain, I mean, we wouldn't know how like something like, like 200 years of pain is sort of like a weird unknown thing that no one would be able to predict, right? Because no one's lived 200 yeah. years that we're aware of. Um, like other than JFK? It would be weird to be basically like, oh, yeah, no. I mean, I live for thousands of years. Oh, I have this horrible debilitating arthritis, you know? Yeah. So, like, I can't really pick anything up. It's awful. And I'm just going to have to – my back is just – oh. And, and there's nothing I can do al- about it. It's you chronic. Know how allergies get worse the longer you live in the same place? Like, so hmm. if you're a thousand years living in the same place because you're afraid to move because you know your place is safe, like – are you just like covered in snot all the time from just the, the worst thousand-year allergies? This is not the – this is not how I wanted it to be. <laughs> when I, when I, envisioned <laughs> well, this. I, well, I have to, we, we need this universe to make sense. It's like, um, I can't remember the guy's name. The guy who did the Mad Max. Mel stuff. Gibson. The, no, no. The actual writer. Oh, well, uh, Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Him like, you know, for Mad Max Fury Road, he wrote like long backstories for every character, even the characters without lines, like yeah, to, some... to make sure that the characters were fully, entrenched in the universe. That's what I'm doing here with your immortality version universe. We're making That's sure fine. that everything I, feels genuine and everything is sewn up perfectly, Jonathan. This is I the got, process. I'm, this is the process. I'm not upset about that. I'm just saying, like, I want to see the movie where there are sawed-off shotguns, not where the guy is like, could you turn up the heat? I'm just a little cold. <laughs> okay. Know? That's all. <laughs> I, I agree with that. But, I mean, we're, we're just creating the universe. We're building yeah. a tapestry on which you can paint. Mm. Do you understand? You don't have to, you don't have to have your character behave the, the way that we believe yeah. rational people would be, which would be to guard your life with everything because it is worth so much more when you're immortal. It, we, we would have to have the movie be about a character who does not do that, right? It would be much more interesting. Yeah, I just feel like it, the fact that that could even be a thing seems like really takes away from the excitement of the movie. And now, it's good for the, the, you know, the soliloquy, perhaps, you know, like the, the poem. Perhaps it's a yeah. wonderful poem or one page short story of the guy who's like, you know, going to live forever, but, you know, has to stay in basically in an elevator, an, a hermetically sealed elevator. But um, but like, yeah, for the to pack the butts in the seats, we probably need a little bit more than that. Although maybe a sad love story of the guy who is like he's oh, I got it. All right. So he is this guy. He's the shut in. But like he like sees some. Some, some person who he, like, is attracted to, like, through the window of his home or something like that. And, you know, is, like, you know, can't help himself and, like, goes out and finds a way to meet this person and falls for this person, right? But there's the cost. And the cost is they get, like, a cold, you know, and then they freak out. And, you know, it's basically you, you die of, like, insomnia or something. Sounds great. <laughs> it's really normal to die of insomnia, by the way. Hey, you know this... Uh, this tournament that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's the uh, $4,000 buy-in uh, WPT Legends of Poker from August 2017. And the final table 
was pretty whack, yo. So, like, in seventh place, no longer here, Doc Sands. In fifth place, no longer here, Marvin Rettenmeyer. In third place, no longer here, J.C. Tran. Those are just the guys I know. By the way, 11th place, David Baker. Uh, like, it was sort of star-studded and things you don't really get uh, anymore on these things. You know, usually just guys you don't know. But this was full of people. Phil Hummuth still here. No one had heard of Art Papazian at this point. This was his, like, big breakout moment. He'd never played, I think, in really anything bigger than, like, $1,100 events. I shouldn't say never, but wasn't cashing anything bigger than that. Usually more like $300 events. So all it was happening right now, and Art's, like, survived all these people and is now basically... Same amount of chips, heads up with the legend of annoyance, Phil Hummuth. Yeah. We should make a movie about Phil Hummuth being yeah. immortal. See Let's how hard that. I steered that one, tried to steer yeah. that one back? Like, really hard left turn. No, you did. You, store, you stored it back. Thanks. That's, how, that's actually the past tense of that. Um, <laughs> All right, let's talk about the hand, which was okay. suggested by Mung Juice, which is a disgusting Twitter handle, but I do respect it. Why? Mung Juice. What? Why is it disgusting? Why are you so Mung judgy? juice? Doesn't that sound just like not good? Mung juice? I mean, Donnie Pickle sounds like a friendly guy. It doesn't mean he is. Mung juice sounds... I'm talking about the, the aesthetic of the name. Yeah, I know you are. I realized that as I was mid-sentence there. And it upset me that I sort of... I'm hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. <laughs> I give up. Moving on. All right, yeah, Mung Juice suggested on Fine. Twitter, included a YouTube link and timestamped it. That is what you have to do when you suggest a hand for the breakdown. Thank you, Mung Juice, Mung. for your name and for your beauty. And uh, damn, we're heads up. Got 11.4 million ish each. We're not exactly sure because somehow in the year 2017, the WPT still didn't know how to put stack sizes on the screen, which is mm. incredible to me, but whatever. I'm, I'm, I just have to say, what the living fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's all. Well, that's that's the life that we live here. So Art is in the small blind slash on the button with four or five of clubs and that 11.4 million. The big blind is 300K. So we're talking almost 40 bigs for both these players. Okay. Art's got four or five of clubs, and he's going to min raise to 600K. So we've been doing these World Series of Poker final tables online, doing the commentary on them. And we've seen some players use this strategy of, of heads up when you're in a heads up match, min raising. Seems more common in a heads up match versus when you're at a full table and it folds to the small blind. Why do you think that is? What's going on here? Well, first of all, I mean, you're in position versus out of position, right? That's yes, a that's huge a big one. difference. Um, I think, second of all, too, there's an acknowledgement that once you're heads up, you're not going to get that many folds pre flop, right? You're just not. Uh, as opposed to like in the middle, midway through a tournament, if you raise from small blind to big blind and size it reasonably at all, like you almost always get a fold. Like you get huge folds there. Yeah. You know, like I three and a half X from the small blind. If the blinds are of any size, you know, worth winning, that's almost always like, sure, once in a while the guy picks up a hand or plays back at me or whatever, but mostly they just throw their hand away. Like, but if I raise three X and we're heads up, you're just going to call, you're going to fold more than if I min raise, but you're going to call a lot. Like, it's not really about yeah. trying to win pre flops so much, I think, as just bloating the pot when you're in position to have a clear advantage. I think that's what's but going on. If you 3X and get called with a similar frequency, you're bloating the pot more when you have an advantage. So, why not? Um, well, the problem is the best answer I have. I don't know if I have a great answer here. The best answer I have, though, is min raising probably discourages playing back like, like light three bets a little bit more. Number one, there's less to win. Also, you just feel less picked on. Uh, mm -hmm. Number two, you're also, by making the pot bigger right now, when you have a, a stacks like Art and Phil have, you're actually diminishing some of your positional advantage a little bit because there's already going to be, if you three exit, let's say, there's going to be, assuming ante is like six and a half blinds in there, and you started with, what, 38. So you have like five, you know, like, like four blinds versus six blinds matters a little bit here in terms of being able to take full advantage of your position. So that's my best guess. What do you think? Yeah. I think that's the best answer, the stack-to-pot ratio answer there at the end. Makes sense, especially if you think you have any sort of post-flop advantage, which yeah. I don't know if Art thought that against Phil at this time because he was new on the scene, but almost certainly did have a post-flop advantage against Phil. I would guess he think. did. Yeah. I mean, I would absolutely guess he did. <laughs> yeah. Not also, because we know Art is actually good, right? Yeah. Like, so that makes it a lot easier to say that, but like... I've watched Phil play a lot, and I mean, I know he just beat Antonio in that heads-up match. They're going to play again. Uh, 
and he made some great plays to beat Antonio, but I still absolutely think Antonio's like way better post flop, and all these guys are way better than Phil post flop. Like, and we're going to see Phil, Phil make some interesting decisions post flop here. I'll just say that we are. So Art with four or five of clubs, min raises to six hundred k from yep. the small blind slash button. Phil same stack thirty eight blinds, defends with two fives. Does not three bet the fives. What do you think about this? I actually like it. Uh, I guess if we if we're constantly getting raised here, like, and I, I would assume Art's probably raising most of his buttons, if not all of them. Uh, I guess you could three bet a hand like fives once in a while. The the stack sort of the stack sizes sort of line up weirdly for pocket fives, right? If we're not willing to go with it, then we're often bloating the pot with a hand at a position that doesn't flop super well, or we're going to get four bet and we have to fold. Like it's not really the hand I want to do it with. We don't have any blockers either. I want, I just want to call it. We're deep enough, especially with the min raise, that we can not that we'd only be set mining, but we can even set mine at this price and it's okay. So I like a mm-hmm. call way better personally. What do you think? Yeah, I think I, I prefer a call, but I think it's okay to three bet. And against some opponents, you can get 38 blinds in and a heads up match with fives. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it's never against, ideal unless they have deuces, threes, or fours, obviously. But I mean, they can have a, they can have a baby ace. That's even that's really nice too. You know, ace three suited or something. They're guys who I mean, it's with that. I'd rather them have deuces, threes, or fours than that. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Why would that be? Uh, I don't know. I would I would think Phil especially probably perceives Art as the amateur. He doesn't know who this guy is. You know how Phil is with guys who, just, who he doesn't recognize, yeah. right? Um, so I would think Phil is probably even more interested in playing post-flop against him, probably thinks he's got a huge edge and all this stuff, even though we don't believe that's actually true. I, I can understand why Phil would think that right now. I mean, Phil probably thinks that against anybody, but especially against a guy like this, who's like just some rando, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Phil calls. Seems like uh, everybody's making reasonable decisions so far. Yeah. Pot is $1.3 million. Nitrogen Sports is where poker is played. Uh, Nitrogen Sports is only for players. If you're not a player, we don't want you. I said we. That's right. It's like when I talk about the Celtics and I say we, we won. I'm not actually on the Celtics. I'm not actually an employee of Nitrogen Sports, although they do pay us some sponsors at money. We, we don't want you if you're not a player. You know, and the way to be a player is to use the link in the description yeah. of this podcast when you sign up. That gives you access to our incredible tournament, the best iterated value in tournament poker. It's been going on for I would years. guess over two years now. Yeah, that the last Sunday of every month or almost every month, with a few exceptions where we just move it a week or something. Uh, we have our poker guys special tournament that can only be accessed by those who use the link when they sign up. It is a 0.1 millibit guarantee with a 100 or 0.1 millibit buy-in with a 100 millibit guarantee. That means that the guarantee is 1,000 times the buy-in. We've never gotten gotten more than 200 players. They cap it at 300. That means there's guaranteed to be a huge overlay. It's still pretty cheap to play. Might not be forever. Bitcoin's doing pretty well these days as I speak. I don't know. Maybe it'll be in the tank by the time this comes out. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But who knows? As of now, it's like just over a dollar to play. So not too expensive, and you could win. You know. Something like six hundred dollars, something like that, with a huge overlay. Sounds pretty yeah. good. That is pretty darn good, and it's uh, fun. It doesn't take very long either. It's it's an amazing deal. Of course, they also have sports betting. Of course, they also have casino games. And even though I was saying we don't want you unless you're a player, I would guess that Nitrogen wants you regardless of if you're a player. Yeah, or yeah. Because they, you know, they they want more people there. Um, we, however, feel very clear that it's players or nothing. Right. You know. Uh, I, I am uh, legally obligated to inform the audience that Nitrogen has uh, has sent a cease and desist letter to yeah. Jonathan to yeah. stop using the collective we when speaking about uh, him and Nitrogen. They don't want to be associated with him yeah. in that way. Okay. I just, I, I, I'm legally obligated to say that, Jonathan. It's not sure. to hurt your feelings. No, no. Just, I'm yeah. not upset. I'm not upset. Yeah, they, just, I will, they just don't want people to be thinking that they would actually... like hire you for something yeah no and they have not and they have not to be clear um i'm legally obligated to say that as well um i will say this though talking about players for a second as uh vince vaughn once said in Saturday Night live it's uh it's pimps in the back hose in the front and chumps in the trunk and that's uh that's how it rolls when you're playing with the poker guys i nitrogen (laughs) i don't know what just happened i'm just gonna be honest i i feel like i just like just popped in from another universe uh, and entered a place where whatever you said felt reasonable <laughs> for you to say. And that's why you said it. But I don't really, I, I just not really, the dots aren't connecting uh, for me in the way that they did for you in your mind when you spoke. 
So do you think the people who listen to this podcast, you know, consistently, we've got a, a group of about 4,000 people, I would say, 4,500 people who listen to every episode of this show, give or take, right? Yeah. So you guys know who you are. How many of them you think are like, I'm really here for the poker? And how many of them you think are like, I'm here for the humor? And how many of them you think like, I love both the same? You know, what, what, like, mostly they don't love both the same, right? Mostly I think they're like in one side or the other, right? Yeah. It's tough to know. Yeah. It is tough to know. I mean. It's got to be the humor. It's got to be the humor. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? How, what percentage of, of, of that group do you think, if pressed, would say, I believe that Jonathan and Grant dislike each other <laughs> based on our banter? <laughs> that is an interesting question. Yeah. I would guess it isn't that high. But there's probably some people who think that we, we harbor some pretty intense ill feelings that like, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of truth in every joke kind of a thing. So like every time yeah. we take a shot at each other, it's got to be, uh, there's got to be something to that. Nah, it's uh, not really that. For those who are concerned, like uh, I attribute it to, to upbringing sort of like you grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in Chicago. It's both kind of places where it's like that hard edge jab at your ribs type of humor. Yeah. And we're both comfortable with it. And that's just how it comes out. Yeah. I mean, if you're not if you're not punching, you ain't trying. That's what my dad always <laughs> said. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great time. We can talk about that in our therapy session later. Yeah. I'm also Jonathan's therapist. It to, is to, awkward. <laughs> to be clear, he would say that if you ain't punching, you ain't trying, and then he would punch me. He's like, "Am I trying? Am I trying?" <laughs> wow, it was dark, pretty intense. Very dark joke. <laughs> it really we just sorry. lost four percent of the audience. It was sort of a. Sort of like a whiplash thing, even though it's not a whiplash thing, you know. Like that's how you mean I was the picturing. movie. You mean the movie yeah. Whiplash? Yes, the oh. movie with like J.K. Simmons. Like, was I? Yeah. Were you dragging or rushing? Kind of a thing. Yeah, I was doing like a version of that in my head, even though it didn't wasn't so obvious. Anyway, I don't know. There's a flop. I'm just saying there was a flop. Probably there is a flop. There is nitrogen sports. Don't forget to use the link in the right. description when you sign up for nitrogen. Please. Let's get to the turn. Yeah. Or no, let's no. get to the flop. We're getting we to, to the flop, the flop bro. first. There's All important right. things that happen on this flop. All right, our Papazian as the button. Has four or five of clubs. He flops well. It's the ace, deuce, three, rainbow board. There is one club for art on there as well. Phil, of course, doesn't hate the flop either with two fives, a pair, yep. and a gut shot. That is often the best hand. Pretty sweet yeah. for art. So Phil checks. What do you think about the prospect of leading when you block the nuts, even though art has the nuts? You block the nuts so well. Ah, uh, interesting question. Uh I mean, the problem, of course, is leading is often going to put us in situations where we, we don't get called by that many worse hands, and we do get called by a lot of better hands. Like, I don't think Art's folding a pair of sixes if we lead, for example. Uh, certainly not fold, you know, but he, but he might fold Queen Jack. So we, so we can deny some equity, for sure. But I would want, I personally would want to also, like, have ways either we can get called by worse hands, or I'd want to... Um, have like the kind of equity where I can play really aggressively if he plays back at me. But this is the kind of hand where if we get raised, we may fold. Like in this exact spot, look, I mean, it's unlucky that Art actually flopped the nuts even though we block it. Um, maybe we wouldn't fold. Maybe we like, I block the nuts. I can do anything and uh, decide to go crazy. Yeah. But I'd be worried that heads up, like if Art had a good hand, he actually wouldn't be folding. If he has like ace-10, is he really going to fold no matter how much pressure we put on? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I just wanted to explore it. Always explore the yeah. lead. That's what we I love, do. I love exploring the lead. We need to, we all should be leading more, even though it's hard to find spots. We should it all is. be leading more. If this was anyway, an ace high board, it'd be better, you know? Yeah. True. Phil does the normal thing in checks. Yeah, that's fine. Art's going to bet his hand, although you know, Phil's a bit more passive pre-flop than a lot of players, but uh, you'd expect Phil doesn't have too many aces in his range having flatted pre-flop. He doesn't have big aces most of the time, at least. So he you has, don't have as many big hands that you can get value from his art. Yeah, but Phil has more than most, right? Phil does have a few ace-queens and stuff like that, unlike some other people, right? He does, but of course you're right. Of course, with these, blind, these stack sizes, he's going to be three-betting almost all his big aces, of course. But I think he's got like ace-nine, ace-ten, ace-jack more than most people, too. I mean... Yeah, and uh, you know he does weird stuff, too, so putting a little chum in the water is not a terrible idea as art for that sure. purpose, either. Also, uh, as you like to say, we don't, we don't block anything with a straight, right? Like, we don't block any yeah. of the made hands. That's a really good reason to put some action in right now. Yeah, we just are less likely to be up against those types of hands on this board versus, yeah. like, a 9-10 jack board when you have king-queen. Agreed. 
Uh, but still, I don't. I think a bet is probably the right play between the I'm, options. We'd be betting this if we had Queen Jack. We flop the nuts. We don't block made hands. We should bet it. I mean, I agree with you. It's sometimes it's going to be annoying. So well, our bet's four hundred k, about third pot. Mm-hmm. How do you want to proceed as Phil? I know you have thoughts on this. I mean, I think it's a pretty clear call. Like we're ahead a lot. Uh, I guess we could try and deny equity, but like that is a real slippery slope with the stack sizes we're in and things like that. Deny equity, of course, we would be like to raise, but that seems like kind of crazy to me. Um, we have a good enough hand that also has potential to get better. I don't know why we do anything but call here. It feels like a pretty obvious call to me. What do you think? Well, I want to explore the raise because Phil does raise. So yes, I want to see why, what, why he might do that. And I, I do okay. have a, a few thoughts. Um, one is for the sake of balance as far as if, if we want to have check raises on this board, we have to have some bluffs and we can choose between different types of bluffs, right? I think, I think our choices are pairs and gut shots that are semi-bluffs like Phil has, or we can just go with pure gut shots as our bluffs. One of those two is like kind of the category of bluff that we choose. Maybe we yeah. mix in a little bit of each. I don't know. I personally kind of like the pair and gut shot better just because we have more ways to win if we get called and are behind. You know, we just have more more outs generally, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be Phil and we're going to have any two-pair combo, which I believe Phil has all 27 two-pair combos available on this board when Art Min raises, he's probably calling deuce three off even I, when there's, I don't know if when there's I don't, an ante. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe. Certainly he's got anything else, obviously. Yeah, so, so. we got... We have a, a few sets, obviously, deuces and threes, and, and Phil probably has some pocket aces based on it being Phil. Um, I think so. Those two pair combos, we have all 16 combos of four or five available to us. Mm-hmm. So it adds up to actually a decent amount of value combos. So what are our bluff or semi-bluff combos? Do we want them to be like the queen five suited, or do we want them to be the three fives and the five fives and the four fours? Like, well, how do we yeah. want to do that? How do we want to choose to balance? Well, my inclination immediately, and maybe we need to explore this, uh, is to not pick the ones with the pair, even though I know you're saying you kind of like the ones with the pair. So because um, we're heads up, that means art is pretty wide here. Uh, any pair is often good and going to stay good, like a lot of the time, like uh, versus a hand like queen five of hearts, which is has a gutter and has backdoor hearts. To me, that's kind of a cool and an overcard to at least two of the three cards on the board. Um, that's kind of a cool hand to do it with where we really don't mind getting blown off this hand. We really like this hand is not really good enough to do anything else with, but playing it aggressively, good things, a lot of good things can happen. It's supposed to pocket fives or any pair in a pair in a straight draw, for example. Um, I can think of lots of bad things that can happen when we, if we were to play it aggressively, which I really wouldn't want to happen. But like if I check raise, if I raise like Phil does with queen five of hearts here, and, and Art decides to re-raise. Art has the nuts. Art really might decide to re-raise. I think I can comfortably let this go unless I'm getting the best price of all time. You know, Maybe if he clicks it back because I've got the gutter, I might talk myself into it. I have to do the math, right? But probably I'm just folding. And that's super obvious. But with two fives or three five or three four or anything like that, uh, it gets really weird. You know, like we can be in really, really tough spots that we don't want to be in, and we might make big mistakes where we might fold the best hand sometimes, which feels like kind of a disaster this short stacked heads up. Okay, those are valuable points, but I don't know. I, I think I, I know that you really don't like Phil's raise. I'm actually not. I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. He, and I don't mind equity denial, by the way. I don't hate getting Queen Jack to fold. It's pretty no, nice. I, I like that, too. I'm yeah. just saying there's, there's downsides. That's all. Also, there are. Right? There are. I mean, know, we like, could also just not have raises on this board because we don't have that many big aces. We could decide not to have raises. Um, I mean, I think it's okay to have a few raises, right? We could, we could raise our like two pair hands because art sometimes has good aces and can call, but yeah, then we could, I, I personally would want to balance that with the non-made hands that are weaker and so we're really polarized. That's all. This is like a non-polarizing raise, right? The, I'm not saying it's... By the way, I'm not even saying I'm right with all this. I know some good players will absolutely take uh, a gut shot in a pair, a baby pair like this, and raise. I don't really get why in a lot of spots. You know, I don't well, know just, what the value of it is, except for just denying equity to overcards where they have six outs twice, which, okay, but like... All right, well, the value is this. You deny equity is one thing. That's nice. Um, 
you have more outs than if you're you're creating a raising range that includes just the naked gut shots against the majority of what Art's going to call with. And those outs, yeah, the two fives is not a great example, but if if you had three five, those those outs can be pretty deceptive. Like when the three pairs, it's tough to put your opponent on a three if you're Art and you bet call on the flop and then it's ace, deuce, three, and then a three comes. And you're like, did you really just check raise like a three? That doesn't make sense. I mean, it would you be know? a full house if it's anything, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the ace three, you'd assume. You'd assume. Right. So that's, that. you're right. That is kind of cool. Um, I mean, it, to your point, like one of the good things about raising with this hand is if a three, if, a, if it's 3-5 or actually even 5-5, five, five, like when you improve, it is hard to get action, much harder to get action, right? Yeah. So like you call and like, because you've got implied odds, but do you have implied odds? Maybe as ace-queen, you can get one bet out of them later. But like if a 4 or a 5 comes, you figure you're often not getting any more money. So that's a reason yeah. to raise. You deny equity and you figure like there's a cap on how much you can make anyway. Part of it, I think, comes down to how bluffy do we think Art is? How much is he going to like, you know, just bet the turn no matter what? The more he's going to bet the turn with air the more I want to check call. The more he's going to check back the turn because with his queen jacks and jack tens of the world, I want to, I think like taking an aggressive action makes at least more sense. I don't know if I still want to do it, but it makes more sense. Okay, fair enough. Either way, Phil does raise. He raises to 950 over 400, and it's a small raise, which we see from Phil all the time. And this might be a case of broken clock being right twice a day, but I actually like the small raise in this instance. I think it accomplishes everything we want it to accomplish. I think Art's still going to fold queen jack unless he has some masterful yeah. float plan, which I don't think would change if Phil made it 1.2 versus 9.50. Like, I don't think I mean, it's a big difference. I mean, Phil could make it 8.25, probably. You know, Phil could yeah. maybe just click it back to 800. If Art has jack 10, he's probably just going to fold, right? I don't even know if he needs right. to make it this much. So, I mean, interestingly. Yeah. So, I think, I think this is a good size, and it accomplishes everything we want to accomplish as far as equity denial and attempting to represent a good hand at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sure. No. Art obviously has a really good hand, though. Yeah, so how should Art proceed? Should he raise or call? Yeah. I mean, it depends on which Phil Homeuth we think we're playing against. If we think we're playing against a Phil Homeuth who, like, is just going to have it here, like, a large percentage of the time, we could try and raise right now to, you know, to eventually have all the chips in by the end. Like, we could get there. We can be all in by the river and win the tournament. That's yeah. pretty compelling. Phil Hemmuth is the guy who, of course, he will do some weird sort of raises like this where he doesn't have enough to continue. He definitely will also raise strong hands. But sometimes he'll trap with his strong hands is the other side. Yep. Of it. Like, he loves to trap. I guess because we have position, the pot's going to... If, if we just call the pot's going to be 3.2 million, we can get a lot of chips in this pot anyway. We can raise later if we really want to. If Phil's got a real hand, we're probably going to... Unless a four or five comes, which we block probably gonna have opportunities to get a lot more chips in right like most yeah. of the time so maybe i i guess because of that I, I think we can call there's only there's no flush draw out there it's a rainbow board i think i want to call because of that because we're in position we're not super deep i think we can get the chips in later what do you think yeah i agree and i think uh you know i don't know if phil's raise actually is based on the conclusions that i laid out earlier but my inclination is that it's not because of the types of hands we see Phil check raise in spots like this. I think he does take a lot of medium strength hands that I absolutely would not advise check raising under any circumstance and check raises with those like hands like two sixes, which is a lot different than two fives on this board mm. uh, or, or hands like King three or something like that. So I think as art, I would be concerned that Phil has a lot of those types of hands that are just going to fold to a three bet. Right. I mean, ha having watched him play against Antonio, like almost all of his check raises were like one pair of hands that were not strong enough to handle any more action. You know, if Antonio ever three bet, Phil would just have to fold almost always, you know. Um, and so if we know that at all about him, yeah, we just we just should absolutely not be three betting here, especially with the yeah. stack depths being what they are. Yeah. And I guess Art came to the same conclusion because Art makes the call. So the pot is now 3.2 million. Ace, deuce, three, rainbow board. Art Papazian with the nuts with four, five. Phil with two fives. The turn never changes anything, really. It's the jack of diamonds. I guess somebody could have made two pair on that card, but rarely. Uh, yeah. Art more likely than Phil, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Art still has the nuts, which is a nice feeling on the turn. It's yep. amazing when you flop the nuts and get to the river with the nuts, you know, like especially when it's like a straight, like the vulnerable nuts. It's incredible when that happens. I mean, it's kind of set up pretty well for Art, too. It's a rainbow board on the turn. Okay, yeah, there's some cards that make you not the nuts anymore, but, like, the board could pair. That'd be the scariest thing, I think. A four or five could come. Okay, fine. You're not too worried about that. Uh, 
that I guess a Broadway card could come to make a to make Broadway the nuts, but you wouldn't really be worried about that either. Like it's a pretty like Phil's not check raising King Ten very often here. I don't think you know. No, so it's not like a pretty often. pretty sweet spot. Yeah, as art, I agree. So should Phil continue, and if he does, what is he repping? And is it actually thinning from what he bet on what he was repping on the flop, or is it the same thing? I don't necessarily think Phil should continue here. I guess it depends on like what kind of range do we think Art's actually calling our check race with. Is if Art has two sevens, is he calling our check race? That's a tough one. I don't know. I, I don't know either. It's a if small check race. I know. At the same point, like Phil in theory does have aces here for sure and plays it like this. Yeah. Art might call once with sevens and then fold the turn. So then there'd be value. Maybe maybe we can get some better hands to fold. Um but like, it doesn't feel like we're denying equity anymore, right? Now that we've been called, we're not. We're not. Now we're behind a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'd be worried that Art just has a big, has an ace and can hold on too often here. Um, he may have like, I mean, if he had like King Deuce suited, I'm not even a hundred percent sure he's calling our raise with King Deuce suited on the flop. Honestly, yeah. I think I want to check. I think Art's range is a little too strong. What do you think? I mean, maybe. I don't expect that we can fold out. Like, if we bet here, I think it might have to be a three-street plan uh, mm. to get Art to fold hands like Ace-Nine, because I don't imagine we can fold him out on the turn. Although Ace-Nine will be losing to all of Phil's value if Phil goes three streets, and we'll have a big decision on the river. Yes. So I think if we have a big three-street plan, I think we can bet again with the intention of, like, well, plan A is to hit a four or five. That is plan A. But <laughs> plan B is to get Art off of his big ace or medium ace on the river with a, with a sizable bet. What do you think? About so that? if, so if we're going to do it, so the, the, one of the benefits of that plan is on the turn, we, we probably do get art to fold sevens. If he decided to call with a hand like that, like yeah. jacks are probably holding on a little stronger, even though maybe they feel like they play the same ultimately against the range. Um, but, but he doesn't have any one pair jacks. Art doesn't pocket jacks. I mean, so, Oh, there's ah. a Jack on the turn. I'm sorry. I picked the wrong hand pocket tens, pocket Queens, yeah. call pocket Queens. Um, pocket Queens might hold on because, you know, they're beating just, just from a distribution point of view, as much as anything else they may. And also there's an emotional component where you feel like a little more attached to those Queens perhaps. Uh, but, but the turn bet can fold out some hands, which we are losing to probably not very many though. Right. It's gotta be a pocket pair. You figure we're folding zero out zero aces on the turn. Yeah. Although I I think it's, it's only good to bet the turn if you also plan to bet the river, unless it's just a terrible river to bluff on. I agree. Like an, eight, like an ace would probably be a, a time to shut down. That um, seems really bad. Yeah. Um, I think also like a deuce or a three is a pretty bad card to bet the river on because if Art has like a seven is holding on, his kicker is almost certainly like he's chopping with yeah. like a bunch of aces now. And he's probably just going to hold on with that now too. But yeah, this is why I'm wondering if we should do this plan because it feels like so, like, the turn bet maybe folds out pocket sevens and pocket eights once in a while, but not too much. And then we have to hope Art actually does decide to fold an ace on the river if he calls the turn. I'm not sure that we're folding out enough stuff that it's worth doing this. Yeah, that, that might be true. But I, eh, I think I like the plan better of going for it. But I, okay. we definitely have to follow through on the river. I mean, it is hard, especially against a guy like Phil Hamuth with a pretty nitty rep, to hold on with a hand like ace-nine if, if Phil check raises and barrels the turn and river. I, that's absolutely true. Like I could see that being very, very difficult. Yeah. So actually I like, I like betting the turn, especially having check raise the flop. When we've, we've started that train, this doesn't seem like a card that should stop that train from rolling along. So here we go. And Phil okay. does that. He bets 1.2 million and a 3.2 million. I might so like a slightly small. bigger size here to, to fold out the pocket queens of the world, you know, sometimes like 2.1 million might fold out queens, whereas 1.2 might not. The other thing is if we bet more, not only do we get some full equity now, we also set up a river shove, like almost perfect where we're going to put art to a tournament decision, a life decision. Like both of us are going to be all in basically if he calls, obviously he would probably win unless we get very lucky as Phil. Um, but like, I like that. So I think, like, betting, I agree with you, betting bigger right now is a really good idea, both because of the fold equity now, and then it makes the shove a little bit more reasonable later. By the way, we also, by, by sizing it up now, threaten the river shove, which we're not really doing by betting 1.2 on the turn. You know, like, does yeah. now we'd be shoving, like, 7.5 or something into 5.5. I guess we could, but that doesn't feel like so. It's not something Phil ever does, really. Versus if we make it a bit more now, we go 2.2 or 2 million, 
now we're doing about a pot, we have about a pot size left and Art will be able to see that. And he may be like, shit, do I really want to go down this path? You may get a little more fold equity now as well. I, yeah. I really like sizing it up if we're going to do it. Yeah. From I agree. Um, this discussion actually made me have a bit of a thought about this whole river shove thing, about shoving the river and how we've seen a lot of really good players recently when it's their tournament life on the line, not doing a full shove on the river, but saving like three or four blinds, something like that. Yeah. I think in fields of good players, that has to be profitable. That has to be yeah. better to do than to actually shove when you're like, of course, it sucks when you actually have it and you want to get called and you miss out on those extra three or four blinds. But for the bal- for the sake of balance, you have to do it when you have it and when you don't. But because your tournament life is so valuable from an ICM perspective, I think that has to be more profitable than taking these triple barrel lines where you shove the river. You have to leave yourself three or four blinds. You have to. It, ha- it has to be better. I think you're probably right. It gets weird, man, because like, yeah, you're leaving some stuff on the table there and it sucks, uh, but you're probably right that it's better. Yeah. Now we've seen it happen where people leave themselves like half an ante, which doesn't make as much sense to me. Like actually, actually leave yourself something to to work with if you're going to do it, I think. But yes, that's the Stephen Chidwick move, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think especially where especially where like um, practically it all plays the same. Like sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes actually the more like going all in actually is even those three or four more blinds actually makes the amount feel different. But often it doesn't at all like you're saying. And so, yeah, if it's 80,000 or 92,000 and the pot's got, you know, 78,000 in it, you can just bet 80,000 and keep that last 12. And it's, it's and if they shove, you can easily fold when you don't have it. Yeah, you know, right. Like, and if they and and also if they like see you're doing this sometimes as a bluff, maybe someone will try and make the play against you, which we still haven't really seen anyone do really right. Uh, I guess Chris and Bicknell sort of did it that time, uh, you know, that that hand we broke yeah. down recently. Um, but like where someone goes all in for like your final three blinds as a bluff because they can't be bluffing, like well we'll have it enough that we can actually call there, you know. I mean Chris Claude Nicky sort of did that in that live at the bike hand we did. He did, he didn't did, he? He just happened to have the best yeah. hand anyway. Which right, no, you're right. Cool. He did do it. He did do it. That's true. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, just just a quick aside, because it, it just struck me that, like, I'd, I'd always kind of thought about that as being of note and, like, something that should be considered, but I, I think I just, like, I, I just congealed my thought into one thing of, like, it has to be better overall in fields of players that know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Cool. That's yeah. good. That's a new strategy thing that not yep. everyone's doing. All right, five point six million is in the pot now, so things have gotten serious again. These players each started with eleven point four million. I mean, uh, hold on, we haven't even talked about if if Art should call or raise the turn. Oh right, I did. I pulled Art a Jonathan. I pulled a yeah. Jonathan. What happened to you, buddy? You're like you're just giving it away. You spoil things. You move I past am, the strategy. All right, listen, I'm only going to say this once on this episode. <laughs> But I am a total piece of shit, and yeah. I admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's almost yeah. like we Freaky Friday there for a second, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're always the spoiler. All right. So, yes. Should Art raise? Well, I think if there's a player to not raise against, it's Phil Helmuth. I think mm. he has the most weird medium strength hands of anybody in the world here. <laughs> like. That may be true. <laughs> I mean, it's a little disappointing that Phil bets so little because... Getting all in now, like if Phil had bet a normal amount on the turn, getting all in on the river is pretty doable. And now it's like much harder. I guess if Phil bets the river significantly, we can shove and that's fine. But now it's like we need that fourth street of value because he bets so small on the turn, which sort of sucks. Yeah. As art. I mean, if we raise, we're just hoping to get it in against aces up, right? That's the big plan. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe an, a, a, an ace queen, a slow played ace queen kind of a thing. Yeah. That's about it. Which, again, it is Phil. So aces up and ace queen are more likely than they are with a typical player. But still, we have to remove some, even of the aces up in this hand, because Phil didn't three-bet preflop. So it makes it less likely to be able to get it in against a good hand. I don't even know that Phil's calling a raise with ace-queen, honestly. He's so tight and weird. He makes such strange decisions yeah. in these spots. Like, he may just... I mean, by the way, he can't beat any value with ace-queen. Right, for sure. No, of course. So, so he could sit there and be like, I've taken a strong line. Maybe it's a good fold with ace-queen, by the way. It probably is a good fold. Uh, honestly, right? So, yeah, aces up is the only thing we're targeting. Okay, we could get a little unlucky. Phil could have flopped ace-deuce, have aces up, and the jack could pair on the river or something like that. But we, I think we should probably just call and let him fire again. Yeah, just like I think so. Saying. That's what Art does. 
All right. Now the spoiler is over. There's 5.6 million in the pot heading to the river. Ace, deuce, three, rainbow board, jack of diamonds, completing the rainbow on the turn. We've got Phil Helmuth with two fives for the pair in the gut shot and Arpapazian with the nutter butters. Oh, he's got him. He's got the nutter butters. I don't know what just happened to me, but I decided to do a weird voice thing. Antonio. And you know what? I regret it. Um, <laughs> all right. So the river is the seven of clubs, changing nothing and very, very infrequently changes something based on range even. Like, it's very hard for this card to affect anything. Yeah. All right. So Phil now checks. I hate it. I hate it. Phil's got about like 7.7 million. The pot is 5.6 million. And he's giving up. And it feels like Art's getting let off the hook with this ace nine, ace 10, ace queen type hands. That it is not obvious at all that he's going to station the river if we go all in. He might, I don't, but he it's doesn't not have to obvious. go all in. He doesn't even have to go all in. I mean, there's, right. he has well more than the Pike and Bet, four million, and it has the same effect. I think he's not going to like it. He may, he may feel a little more obligated to call with the really good aces for four million, actually. But whatever, but whatever we size it, you're right. We don't have to go all in. That's your point. I agree. Yeah, and I understand that clearly it would be bad to bet big as Phil here. Art has the nuts. It would not work out well. It's like but, you don't even see the cards. <laughs> but I really think that. In order to justify the line we've taken so far, like I'm not saying we should make this play to justify the line. I'm saying the thought process behind the line is not justifiable without taking a big stab on the river here when we block the nuts. Okay, the only way that you could take this line and have it make sense and be justifiable is you're Phil Home, you you think you're good at reading souls. You do this whole thing, right? You bet the turn. When Art calls the turn, it changes your plan. Not because he called the turn, because of the way he called the turn. And you're like, oh, Ah. he's strong. Okay, the white that's magic. A per- and then, so then you check, yeah. So you get your white magic thing, and you check to fold. You're like, oh, he's really strong. He's never folding. Forget it. Like, abandon ship, abort everything. That's fair, right? Like, you might pick up a tell. Like, Davidi Katai yeah. could decide to do that. And I'd be like, fair enough, Davidi. Like, you obviously picked something up. Good for you. Um, so that would be the only possible explanation I would have. So Phil would have to believe Art was super strong and is just checking to fold. Yeah. But otherwise, I agree with you. What the hell are we doing? Either check the turn and give up, or even check to call the turn if you want. But fine, check the turn or frickin' bomb the river. Those are our yeah. two options. Like, you're doing this weird half-measure thing, and it seems bad. It does. Well, okay, so Phil checks. We both hate it. We finally found a Phil Hummuth play that we both hate. It makes me happy. We did it. we love to hate that guy. Um, all right, <laughs> your art. You have the nuts. Phil yeah. has taken this weird line against you. His hand strength is certainly diminished by the check on the river. It feels a bit like a give up. What? How are we going to size it? 5.6 in the I, middle. I think we should be sizing it to get called by a, a bad ace. So, like, 3.5, something like that. Maybe even less. Maybe, yeah. like, 2.8. Something dumb like that, which sucks, honestly. But, like, like I want Phil to call me with ace 6 here. You know, and yeah. I believe Phil might have played a six just like this. And I, I would really suck to have him wriggle off the hook because we sized it too big. And it feels like he just doesn't have a very strong hand here. So going big, like what bluffs are we supposed to really have? Like we're just we, we called the check raise. We called the turn like we just have it. There's no draws, really no reasonable draws. Like we just have a good hand. So, yeah, yeah, well, I think we, with I, you. May, maybe we should bet even less. Maybe we should bet two million. Maybe. Art likes your 2.8 idea. He goes for 2.6. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what happens, and then we're going to play a game of Jonathan has to defend the play. Um, (laughs) God damn it. All right. Yeah, this might be your least favorite one, also because of who it is you're defending. It's everything, but go ahead. How, you know, that doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. But okay, so Phil calls. Phil calls the river with two fives. Again, the board is ace, deuce, three, jack, seven, rainbow. He check-raised the flop, bet the turn, got called in both spots, then check-called the river. Okay, Jonathan, defend the play. It's called Jonathan, defend the play. Do, 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 do. Wow. Okay. Before I start defending it, I just want to say, this feels like absolutely the worst of his three options, right? Like, he could check-raise all in, he could call, or he can fold. I really like call check-raise all in or fold way better. Like, check-raise all in, you can make a reasonable case for at least he blocks the nuts. I don't love it, but it's super strong looking, right? Our only bet 2.6, yep. you know, there's like that, that has some merit that has some, and that also continues with the story we've been telling folding is the give up thing. Fine. Okay. 
how do I defend this? <laughs> well, we blocked the nuts, but what does Art have that he would play this way? A pure float? Ugh, hard to come up with that. Art, okay, the only thing we can come up with is that Art has a hand like King Deuce that he's turning into a bluff on the river that he calls the flop check raise with, calls the turn bet with. I'm not really buying it. And then thinks it isn't good enough, which sometimes we see players do stuff like this, right? Where it's really, it doesn't really, it's cognitive dissonance though, where it's like, I call the turn with a made hand. The only reason to do that is because I think I'm ahead. But then when the player checks the river and into me, I'm clearly bluffing, you know? And it's, I never understand why players really do that unless they pick up some tell. And I don't think most players are picking up reliable tells, you know, I just don't buy that. Um, Defend the play. I'm just avoiding it because it's really hard. (laughs) To defend this play. This play makes no sense to me at all. Um, we're getting a reasonable price, except there are no obvious bluffs. It really looks like Art has an ace, at least a good ace, actually, at a minimum. A hand yeah, like that he bet for value here. Ace 10 plus, it looks like. At, like, at a minimum, ace 10 plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, he might even be able to... I think you bet ace 9 here and be okay. Maybe even a few worse ones, but it's close after that. Uh, what could we, okay. The only way to defend this place, I have to come up with ways that art is bluffing, right? Or yeah. we have a better hand than art. Okay. Art has two fours and turns his hand into a bluff on the river. That one has a little more, or art has three, four, something like that, where he's like, well, I have a pair and a gut shot. It's too strong to fold the turn. And now I, but I don't think it's good enough on the river when Phil checks. It's unfortunate that we uh, very heavily block the pair and gut shot combos with our pair and gut shot. <laughs> that is a really good point. Man, having two fives is not what you want to have here, like at all, right? Um, it's like three, four, and deuce, four, and uh, four, six suited. That nope, can't call the turn with four, six. It's really hard. Those are the only hands. And then Art has to decide to bluff them on the river, too. Not just get here with them, but bluff them. That is an un... It's possible, but it's unlikely. And when we put into the, the whole cornucopia of possible hands Art could have here, the actual range of hands that he's betting, if the only bluffs he has are the three fours that he has to get here taking this way with, plus all the strong hands, which makes sense for him to get here this way with, seems like there's very few of those parent gutshot hands or you know bad hands i i can't come up with any bluffs except for those and they're weak bluffs like uh, meaning i, I don't think, know if he even has those i think in that disqualifies this as a good call the i mean yeah. like you could come up with bluffs if you want to you could tell yourself okay art could have a hand like king queen or king 10 and be floating the flop pick up equity on the turn and feel like the price is good enough that he can like decide to make his move on the river and try to realize his equity by calling and then makes the move on the river but that's right. a huge parlay and it is like maybe maybe what Phil's thinking is I would have seen an aggressive action earlier if Art really had a really big hand. And based on my mindset and how I play in these spots, you have to have a really big hand to bet the river based on how I played the hand as Phil. So so Art has to have like ace deuce plus to bet the river. And he never put mm. in a three bet or raise the turn or anything. So so it makes it less likely that he has those hands. The problem is, of course, still it's really hard to come up with what the bluffs could be. I mean, king, queen of backdoor, flush draw on the flop. I guess we could decide, well, I've got two backdoors. It's cheap. I'm in position. I can steal it later, perhaps. Okay. Look, if we haven't seen Art playing crazy, though, in this final table or the final two tables or whatever, I don't know why, as Phil, we would think Art has this move in him anyway. Art's an amateur. You know, Art isn't like David Peters, who's like, try, all he's trying to do is think up ways to steal the pot from you. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily know that, that, that Art would be doing any of that. I, I'd assume Art was playing whatever his style is, and that was it, you know? And I don't, like, Art is really smart, and Art plays well, for sure. But I think Art often is playing for value and not necessarily for, like, cool bluffs. He does some bluff stuff, too, obviously. We see some of that. Yeah. But he isn't like Garrett Edelstein. Like, if this was Garrett, I think this is probably a bad call, let alone Art, you know? Right. This is freaking Victor Blom. This is a bad call, I think, you yep. know? Uh, but at least Victor Blom, you could maybe find ways to justify it of like, this is the, if anyone's floating me in the world, this guy's floating the flop and calling the turn with, even if he misses with his air to try and take it away on the river, Isildur might be the guy, right? There's like mm-hmm. seven guys. Maybe he's one of them. Fine. Why would you think Art Papazian is one of those guys? You would have to see him do this play like multiple times, I think, for this to be reasonable. Yep. I, uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. And yeah, it's I, a, I can't defend it. It's just not a good call. 
I don't I don't think we can find a way to say it's good. I don't think and and I know we love to to bash Phil Hellmuth and you know what? There's justification for that. But at the same point, some might might criticize us and say, well, if it was I don't know, Jungle Man or somebody that you really respect the game of, Stephen Chidwick, you might try harder to justify the call. Mm. But I don't know what road we could go down to yeah. try to justify. I, I feel like we've tapped it all. We're trying. Like, I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we're giving Phil as much benefit and as much rope as we can to try to justify this call, and I just can't do it. I mean, we did all this stuff where we're talking about his plans along, his supposed plans along the way, right? So, like, yeah. on the turn, you're like, if you're going to bet this turn, you should bomb the river. Now, you say that knowing he's not going to, admittedly. And then I say when he checks the river, like, okay, maybe he, like, picked up a tell after Art yeah. called the turn. Now, I say that knowing Phil's going to check call the river. So we're sort of setting him up a little bit, admittedly. But also, these are the only good justifications we can come up with, and then he doesn't follow through on them. Like, if you thought Art, Art was strong on the turn... When he called, or strong as he bets, we should be folding. I guess, I yeah. guess, because we check, we think he's strong before we before we check the river. We should be folding, right? Like, why would we call if we think like it doesn't really make any sense uh, to like not turn our hand into a bluff if we decide to bluff the turn, which is I think what we're doing. You know, um, I think this is just a terrible play by Phil Holmes Jr. I mean, I think that's what's really going on, and we would try to come up with why Jungleman was doing this or. You know, Chidwick was doing it, but I think we might end up saying there's got to be a reason, but we don't know what it is. Like yeah. that would be this. That'd be like we did that with Big Nell on why she didn't bet the turn when the Ace of mm-hmm. Diamonds came in her in that hand like three weeks ago. And but we didn't say we didn't. We it's probably there's probably is a reason, but I couldn't come up with one in either. Community. I mean, we so were that'd still, be like we were still highly critical of the play despite respecting course. the player. But we assume that there's that she could probably find a way to justify it most of the time. Because yeah. it seems like such an obvious bet that she chose not to make, right? Right. But I don't know, but I don't know what it is and couldn't come up with something. So that would be like the bet that would be like what we could give to Phil, but I'm but I refuse to do that. We've seen Phil make way too many bad plays post flop to pretend that there's all this brilliant stuff going on there. I don't think that's what's going on. I'm sorry. Man. I Dropping know. truth bombs. You know who, harsh, you know harsh who, truth bombs. The only person we, we've been more harsh about in the last several years is one guy, and his name is Matt Berkey. Uh, <laughs> and that's only because... That's, I don't think that's true. I honestly, I think, that, I honestly think that it, may, it feels like we've been harsher on Berkey because he reacted as if we yeah. had been bullying him since he was a child. And <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think, actually, like we called out one play that I thought was really bad, openly said so, um, you said many, many times, maybe this is good and we don't get it. And in the future, it all makes sense. And I said, sure, but it's really unlikely. Right. And you said, yeah, it's probably unlikely. That was all we did with Matt Berkey. Right. Like this is like, this is unquestionably bad as far as we're concerned. There's no way to defend this. This is, this can't be good. This is some weird ego thing. And fell once again, doesn't win a WPT because art wins this hand. And then I think wins on the next hand. I have a, another theory. Okay. okay. So it doesn't justify Phil's call, but it might justify his mindset. And it's that Art fits into the category, at this point at least, when he's unknown, of in Phil's mind of like just another kid taking a shot at me. And it's mm-hmm. possible that in like the year 2008, this line made sense for Phil against the kids taking a shot at him because there was such unmitigated, unbridled, unjustifiable aggression by all of the yeah. up-and-coming players at the time that when looking back on it now, it doesn't make any sense or have any reason behind it. And maybe Phil was picking people off left and right back then with this exact line. And he's right. struggling to to wrest himself from that mindset and understand that the new up-and-coming younger players are more GTO-based and have more reason behind their place. Maybe maybe that's what's going on. That That's reasonable. Um, to me, it seems like... Why wouldn't we want to do the just in case like raise if we're gonna put chips in the pot though? Like we can probably fold out ace nine and ace ten. Like if we freaking check raise the river after everything, maybe all one pair of hands will fold. You know, yeah. Ace King Ace King hates its life when we do this, right? I think Ace yeah. King probably should fold here, right? Yeah. Ace Deuce is not loving it, but probably has to call. Probably. It's tough. Like, it's close. We're, we're folding out like like big chunks of the range. So like if he's bluffing, fine, it doesn't matter. If he's buffing with a hand that's slightly better than ours, which I guess is unlikely but possible, great. If he's buffing with a hand that's significantly better than ours, but he's going to fold, amazing. Like, I think it's the just-in-case check, almost shove, nearly shove, or maybe shove, or like just throw your hand away, man. Like This is such clearly the worst of the paths. I'm kind of amazed that Phil couldn't figure that out in, in real time, honestly. I know sometimes... like. Look, we've all been there where someone makes a bet on the river and you make a call and you're like, what the hell happened? Like, how did I call that? That's crazy. 
you know, and you had some dumb justification in your mind. And like, as soon as you step back from it, it's not that like, it's clearly, clearly it was a yeah. dumb justification where like no logical thinking person would have made that decision. Right. And so maybe that's what's going on with Phil, but he's Phil Helmuth. Like he's been in this spot a million times. I don't understand why he, I would expect him to not have that other stuff going on and like be able to just make cold calculating decisions in this spot. But somehow either he's not able to, or he's just got massive leaks in his game, which actually is probably, it's probably a little bit of both, honestly. It's weird. It's weird to be putting down a guy who's won the most bracelets of anyone, you know? But I don't feel that there's any other obvious option. Yep. Seems right. And all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.